serious. So whilst that was happening, they ran Dream Center Idol based on the TV show. And people got up and did their best to impress, and um, a hand clap was given to signify, hey, that was really good. Now at the Dream Center, there are a number of new Christians who actually lived there called Dream Center Disciples. And they were resident there living in dormitories. Having come from some pretty heavy backgrounds, they were being discipled 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, until they had a solid faith and able to go back out into the real world, so to speak, having established some solid spiritual and physical disciplines in their lives that would sustain them. Well, one of the contestants for Dream Center Idol this particular day was one of these Dream Center disciples. He came forward and stood in front of everybody and closed his eyes. And the place was quiet, as you can imagine, but like it is today. And um, then he sang. It's not so much, well, it's, it's what he sang and how he sang it that had a huge impact. And I will do this no justice at all, so I'm not even going to try to do it. But he stood there with his hands down beside him, like this, just like And tears started streaming down his eyes. And then he sang. I woke this morning with Jesus on my mind. I woke this morning with Jesus on my mind. And the place went ballistic. There were more than people in the room at that moment. The presence of God was so real. It was... I was, people were crying. It was just incredible. And he was this new Christian who woke with Jesus on his mind. And it made me think, what did I wake with? Was I worried about the ministry I was going to be involved in, personal safety, what was happening back in New Zealand? Did I wake with the Lord on my mind or not? You know, they say that there are two types of Christians in the world. Those who wake and say, good morning, Lord. And others who wake and say, good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> Which one are we? Is he first and foremost in our thinking, in our thoughts, throughout the day as well? When confronted with a problem, do we pray first and then act, or do we act first and if it don't work itself out, flip, I better pray. You know, deep down, we know that we should pray first because the peace will come and we'll be able to solve the problem. But invariably, we get to action first and then, has it worked out? God, you've got to help me. The truth is, we do not walk this life alone. When we surrendered our life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he made a promise to us that he would give us the Holy Spirit to live in us. In the book of Ephesians, Paul the Apostle wrote this in chapter 1, verse 13. He said, and now you Gentiles, that's those who are non-Jewish, now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God loves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit whom he promised long ago and in John chapter 14 Jesus said this in verses 16 to 17 and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and he will be with you forever the spirit of truth the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you we have the Holy Spirit living inside us one of the main purposes that he is with us is to help us. He helps us to pray. He helps us to understand. He helps us to overcome the temptation of uh, the old sinful nature raising its ugly head in our lives again. The lusts of the flesh, as it were, the old sinful nature there. And I think it's true to say that many of us at times have attitudes and think things we wish we didn't. And we do things we know we shouldn't. 
But we're in good company because even the Apostle Paul struggled at times with things. And he wrote this in Romans chapter 7, verses 15 and verse 18 and 19. I'll read it to you. I do not understand what I do. For what I do, I do not want to do. But what I hate, I do. Sounds a bit like Dr. Seuss, doesn't it? For I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And we know that those thoughts and actions aren't helping us, and we wish we could change. You know, it's a new year. Many make New Year's resolutions and a bid to shake off things and embrace better behaviours. Apparently, New Year's resolutions date back some 4,000 years to the time of the Babylonians when they had their first grain harvest. But did you know that 38.5% of adults in the United States make New Year's resolutions? 38.5%. I won't ask it if anyone does here. And the three most popular resolutions relate to healthier lifestyles. Exercising more, eating healthy, losing weight. 43% of those who make uh, resolutions expect to fail by February. 23% fail in the first week. And only 9% actually manage to keep those resolutions throughout the year. 9%. That said, we know that our thoughts and our actions and our attitudes that we have that aren't good are damaging us, ruining our relationships with one another and also our relationship with the Lord ultimately. And that's where I love the Word of God. The Word of God is able to help us with our human condition. The Word is sharper than any double-edged sword and useful for judging and our thoughts and attitudes. In other words, shows us when we're off mark and is useful for teaching, rebuking, and correcting and training in righteousness. There's a really great verse that I believe is so helpful if we're struggling in areas of the old sinful nature, whether it be our words, our thoughts, or our actions. And it will help us to put Jesus back central into our life again. It contains a key element if we're going to be an overcomer, which is what God has called us to be in every area of our life. And it's found in the book of Galatians. And Paul wrote this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. He said this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. I read one commentator say that in his experience when talking and working with people that were struggling in certain areas consistently, they either didn't know how to walk in the Spirit or they did know how but did not do that. Notice it doesn't say that if you walk in the Spirit you won't feel the old sinful nature luring you away again, tempting you, drawing you back to the old ways. We still have temptations as long as we live. We have a sinful nature. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that our sinful nature is eradicated when we give our life to Christ. We have a sinful nature that attempts to rear its ugly head on the odd occasion. We live in a sinful world, we have a real enemy, and we battle demonic powers. So as long as we're alive, the battle is on, the struggle remains, and the temptations are real. What this verse is saying, though, is that we walk by means of the Holy Spirit. Then even although we face battles and are still tempted, we will not carry out the wrong habits and the sin that is tempting us and that so easily entangles. You might be thinking, Paul, you don't understand my circumstance. The addiction is too strong. You know, my willpower, not enough. But the influence, too great. I've tried in the past and failed. But this is where the promise of this verse is great, because it says, if we walk in the Spirit, we will not. We will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Realize this. Just because we are tempted does not mean we have to sin. The Bible tells us Jesus was tempted in the wilderness, and he did not yield to that. And no doubt he was tempted when he hung on the cross, and the people said to him, (laughs) Prove yourself. You've said you're the son of God. Come on down from the cross and prove it. Man, I don't know about him. Jesus didn't. But if it were me, I would have thought, nah, plan B. I'm coming down. I'm going to show them really who I am. But he didn't do that. 
He did not, he did not yield to temptation at all. He resisted it all. Sin is not something that we have to do when tempted. The truth is, it is something we choose to do. In reality, the battle over temptation is won and lost in the first five seconds. When it comes to it, we resist in that five seconds. And if we can resist in that first five seconds, the probability is we will not yield at all. Because in that first five seconds, that's when we change the channel. It's when we click away from that website. That's when we shut the fridge door. That's when we get away from that person or flee from whatever the temptation is. See, life is about making choices. That's why when you woke this morning, when I woke this morning, we chose what we would think about. Was it the Lord or something else? So how do we resist temptation and walk away from sin? The answer lies in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6. Walk in the Spirit or live by the Spirit, as some translations put it. What does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Is it some sort of walking in a cloud, one inch off the ground, with some sort of aura around us, or sort of mysterious, and, oh, I'm walking in the Spirit. Is that what it is? How do we walk in the Spirit, and how does it work? Well, to begin with, number one, we need to be filled with the Spirit. If we're going to walk in the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit, God himself, the third person of the Trinity, lives in us, within our bodies. He is resident with us. He never leaves us. He never takes a nap. He's conscious at all times. And when we sleep, he's always there. He's always ready. He's always available, willing to help us at any time. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And that word about when it says, Do not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit, that word filled means to continue to be continuously, not just once, but continuously. So it's basically saying we need to continuously be filled with the Spirit. For that to happen, all we need to do is ask. That's pretty simple. Ask. Luke, uh, Luke eleven thirteen. Jesus said this. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Everyone say, how much more? How much more will the Father give Father in heaven at least, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not a matter of volume. Some have got 20%, others have got 50%, and so on. We have all of him within us. We already have all of him. So all the power necessary to create the entire universe, hold the planets in place, the stars and the galaxies in their place, and they're doing all the things that they do, all that power necessary to do all that lives in us. The Bible tells us in Colossians chapter 2 that all the fullness of the deity dwelt in Christ and we've been given the fullness in the Spirit. The question remains, does he have all of us? We have all of him, but does he have all of us? It comes down to surrender, surrendering our all to him. Okay, so the first thing we need to do is to walk in the Spirit and live by the Spirit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The second thing we need to do is we need to live with a conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. A conscious awareness of the Holy Spirit's presence. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 15, in verse 4 and 5. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Jesus is saying we need to remain in him. And if we remain in Jesus, the Holy Spirit is within us and working within us. And as we remain in Jesus, as we abide in him, just as a branch is attached to a vine, the Holy Spirit within us will bring about fruit in our lives. So walking in the Spirit is having a God consciousness. It's not just having him as part of our life, 
Oh yes, he's part of it, just like your kitchen is part of your house. No, it is that he is your life. He is your life. It's having him foremost in your affections, in your thinking, in your hearts. It's pursuing God with all your heart. The greatest commandment says we're to love him with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think it's important to understand too that when we talk about walking in the Spirit and living by the Spirit, it isn't about us doing what we want to do. Walking in the Spirit is then following His guidance throughout each day. It's listening to Him and obeying His voice. You know, a lot of decisions we make are automatic, aren't they? I mean, you got in your car this, today to come to church. I assume some of you might have walked, but most would have got in the car. You didn't think, now how do I open the door of the car? Oh, that's right, I've got to put my hand in here and pull that open. That's right, I do that now. I sit in the seat, that's right, sit in the seat. Pull it close, seatbelt. Key. Turn it twice. Third time. Okay. Now what do I do? That's right. Now, um, gear. Gear, gear, gear. You didn't do that. It was all automatic. Ever got somewhere and you suddenly thought, I don't even remember driving here. I don't remember going around that massive roundabout. I don't even remember stopping at the lights. I, I hope I did. If I should have. It's just automatic. What we do is automatic. However, when it comes to times in our lives when we have to make destiny decisions that determine the future of our direction, of our lives, or we're tempted, that's when we need to stop, pause, and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to help us, and we ask for guidance. It's listening to Him and obeying His voice, His leading and His prompting, those gut feelings and impressions that we get. To not do so is to say, no thanks, no thanks Holy Spirit, I've got this. And it quenches Him and His work in our lives. G. Campbell Morgan once said this, the voice of God disobeyed, soon becomes the voice of God unheard. The opposite is true. As we listen and obey to his voice, it becomes more clear. His voice becomes more clear. As we walk in and live by the Spirit, we, uh, it will lead to life. But the opposite will happen if we don't. Some struggle consistently with specific things and result in endless condemnation, feelings of guilt and being unworthy, feelings of deep remorse. Walking in the Spirit enables us to break free from all that. Galatians 5, 16 to 25 is a great passage of Scripture, and I'd love to read it to you. It says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another so that you are not to do what you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. But I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. It's a fantastic passage of Scripture. You know, to walk implies progress, going from where we are to where we should be. Step by step moving where God wants us to be. Walk implies something that is alive, it's vibrant, it's dynamic, it's a choice calculated step by step progression to a certain destination and in a certain direction. The Holy Spirit's role in our life is to help us to become more like Jesus. And the direction our life is taking can be led by the old sinful nature or by the Spirit of God. And in becoming a Christian, we allow the Holy Spirit access to our hearts. And that brings a whole new array of desires that are in line with His will for our life. And if those desires are stronger than the desires of the old sinful nature and we walk according to those new desires, then we're walking in the Spirit. 
Therefore, walking in the Spirit is something the Holy Spirit enables us to do by producing in us strong desires that line up with God's Word and God's will. I heard someone uh, define it as walking in the Spirit is walking in the Word of God, the wisdom of God, and the will of God. Walking in the Word of God, the wisdom of God, and the will of God. And as we do that, we will not fulfill the desires of the old sinful nature. We'll see those bad habits and uh, behaviors lose their hold on us. So we need, therefore, to be in the Word of God. And that means we need to read it, whatever that looks like, whether it's an app on a phone or on a computer screen or old school like I've got here. You know, it's, it's, but it's reading it, but then it's taking time to reflect on it because it's in the reflection the life change comes. You know, we can be accused of reading too much and not reflecting enough. I've said that before. We need to reflect on it and allow the Holy Spirit to illuminate in our hearts to reveal that which needs to be adjusted, to be addressed bringing change as we give him access to our lives through faith. You know, get a good Bible reading plan. version's got one, there's stuff online, there's plenty of it, but it helps you to get through the, the word of God, not just keep going back to the same verse that you, you love, but you get a, a hole right across the spectrum there. Before you read it, pause and pray, Holy Spirit, come, speak to me, mold me according to your will, purpose, and plan. The Bible tells us in Colossians 3, verse 16, to let the word of God richly dwell in us. In other words, throw open the doors, roll out the red carpet, give it a grand reception. You know, and to do so, it will produce an amazing amount of spiritual wealth in our lives. From there, we discover godly wisdom. That's another aspect of walking in the Spirit. So we're not just in the word, but as we are in the word, uh, we see godly wisdom. It's revealed to us and receive the word. The Holy Spirit will reveal his heart, his way of doing things, his truth will be illuminated to us. And from that, we'll discover God's will for his li our lives, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. The path that he has for us, his purpose and plan, the path that we should pursue. So walking in the Spirit is walking in the word of God, the wisdom of God, and the will of God. And it all flows from being in here. Being in here. And that's why the devil will fight you at every turn and on every level keep you out of the book. Because when you're in there, that's when you begin to realize the blessings that he has for us as believers and unlock so much of our potential, unlock so much of what he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. It's the key to walking in the, in the spirit. His wisdom is revealed and his will is revealed. A greater ability to hear his voice and a propensity to want to obey him and his promptings. The Holy Spirit will fulfill his promises to us. And this is what the Lord said in Ezekiel chapter 36. When was the last time you read Ezekiel? Ezekiel 36. It's got some great stuff in it. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now that's not a sinful heart by a heart of flesh. It's referring to a pliable, soft heart. He's able to mold. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my law. Therefore, when we walk in the spirit, we experience the fulfillment of that specific prophecy. The Holy Spirit produces in us desires, um, at least God's desires and God's ways, which become stronger than our fleshly desires, and thus he causes us to walk in God's way. And as we do that, fruit will come from our lives. As naturally as a vine produces fruit, so too there will be the character of Christ produced in our lives of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, humility and self-control. It contrasts that kind of fruit with the fruit from this particular gentleman who was sitting at a stop sign one morning in his car, wanting to get to work. Sitting behind another vehicle in which a lady was sitting there, the light was red. She was reading some papers that she'd picked up off the seat beside her. The light turned green. She continued to read these papers, not realizing the light had gone green. 
And so um, he starts thumping his steering wheel and starts yelling in the car behind her. Then the light goes red and he's yelling expletives at her. Um, and his expressions of disgust were interrupted by a tapping on the window and a policeman standing there with a gun drawn, telling him to get out of the vehicle. And the man said, there's no way you can arrest me for hollering in my car. The officer, nevertheless, ordered him out of his car and into the back seat of his patrol car. And after two hours in a holding cell, the arresting officer said, you can now leave. And the man said, I knew you couldn't arrest me for yelling and manifesting in my car. You haven't heard the last of this. And the officer replied, I didn't arrest you for shouting in your car. I was directly behind you at that light. And I saw the screaming and the beating and the bashing on the steering wheel. And I thought, what a jerk. But there's nothing I can do to him. He can shout as much as he wants in his vehicle. But then I noticed the cross hanging from the rear view mirror, the Choose Life yellow number plate frame around your number plate, and the Jesus is Coming Soon bumper sticker on the back of the car. And I thought, he must have stolen that car. <laughs> you know, the life of Jesus that he intended us to live is a life that flows with love, joy and peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, and self-control, as found in Galatians 5. It's an abundant life. It's a full-on life that Jesus referred to in, in uh, John 10.10 10, when he said, I have come that you might have life and life in all its fullness. A life of love towards others, of peace in times of difficulty, of joy to strengthen us, of kindness and goodness towards others, of faithfulness and patience in trial, and of self-control when confronted with temptation. Occasionally we'll trip up and make mistakes, particularly as we start out our Christian life. That shouldn't, that's not a problem, we don't need to lose heart. One of the roles the Holy Spirit has is that of comforter. And he comes alongside us and picks us up and gives us the courage and the boldness to be able to carry on. Romans 8 verse 1 tells us there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. D.L. Moody was an evangelist who lived in the 1800s. And he once was speaking to a large crowd and he held up an empty glass and he said, how do I get the air out of this glass? And then people started calling out ways to do that. Someone suggested getting a pump and sucking it out. And he said, well, that would be great, except it would cause a vacuum and cause the glass to shatter. How else can I do it? People continued to give suggestions, and then the audience was quiet. And he simply held the glass there and got a pitcher of water and filled the glass with water. And then he said, the air has now gone. And then he went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by, quote, unquote, sucking out a sin here or there but by being filled with the Holy Spirit, by walking in the Spirit, by living according to the Spirit. So bringing this to a conclusion this morning, God has given us the Holy Spirit. One of the purposes he is with us is to help us. He will help us to pray, to give us the strength we need, to move us to read his word, which give us the wisdom we need in order to, and show us the way we should live. Finally, he'll help us to obey what God desires for us to do. In other words, Walking in the Spirit impacts every aspect of our lives. The truth is, when we think about it, what it means to walk in the Spirit, it's not some sort of mystical thing, it's very practical. Very practical. It should very much be a part of our normal Christian life for one simple reason. The Holy Spirit lives in us. And because He does, because He lives in us, He will give us what we need in order to live a life that He wants us to live. The strength that we need to stay strong and not to yield to temptation when it comes along. So two things to remember. Continue to be filled with the Spirit. And that happens as we continue to ask Him. Fill me again, Lord, right now. Fill me again with your Spirit. And each day live with a conscious awareness 
of the Holy Spirit's presence in and around your life. Our job is to stay connected to him, to remain in him. When we do that, we'll truly walk in the Spirit and know what it is to live the life of an overcomer. I wonder if you stand with me, please, as we pray. It'd be a privilege to pray with you if you're able to stand. It'd be wonderful. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come to you this morning. I want to thank you again for the cross, the wonderful plan of salvation that you have. Thank you, Jesus, that you willingly died in our place. And because you died, we don't have to, that we live. Thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you sent your Holy Spirit to be with us and to live in us. We open our lives to you, Holy Spirit, afresh. Fill us again to overflowing. We receive you now. That life-giving water might flow from our innermost being. Help us to be aware of your presence each and every day. To have a conscious awareness of your presence, Lord, I pray. Help us to not let things of this world crowd you out. Help us to quiet our lives that we might hear your voice more clearly and be obedient to your promptings. Thank you for the promise of your word that if we walk in the spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the old sinful nature. And that in him, you have given us everything we need to lead and live a life that pleases you. We receive you afresh. Just at this time, if you'd like to have a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit, why don't you just, in this moment, just lift your hands to heaven as we invite the Holy Spirit to come. Holy Spirit, come. Just wash over these folk. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, they shall be filled. Holy Spirit, come from the front to the back, from the left to the right. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Peace like a river. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Wash over your people. Refresh them. Refresh them. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. More, Lord. More of your presence, Lord. More of you, Lord. More Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We open ourselves to you afresh. We receive you afresh. Just receive the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. We just receive you afresh. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, Lord, later as we leave this place, we pray for rivers of life-giving water to flow out of our innermost being, that we would walk with a spring in our step and people's lives in the wake of our life would be left better off because we've been with you, we've received from you, and we want to impart you to others in Jesus' name. So we commit ourselves to 2023 as being a year when we draw on you, more of you, less of us, more of Jesus, less of us. More of you, Holy Spirit, less of us. More about you, your purpose and your plan, less of our purposes and plans. We yield ourselves to you afresh this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you all. We're going to continue to worship the Lord. <clears throat>